Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I train people on how to teach breathwork as well. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hangups, where we're going to help you change your life. We're going to show you how to transform your life with different tools. That's right. I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork. It changed my life. I have struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life, and I've gotten through it. This is a solution-based show. We're talking about solutions to problems today. Everything good over there? Everything's great. Life is good. I just watched the trailer for Tyler's movie. Is I don't know if it's out yet or not. I want to talk to him about it because it looked amazing. Have you seen it alone, the trailer? I haven't. Oh, my God, dude. It looks like an epic like zombie-type thriller, which I love those kind of movies. Alone? Yeah, it's fucking amazing. I was watching. I was like, when, when is this out? Like, I haven't heard anything about this. You know John Paul? Have you guys ever met? I don't think not in person. Have you, you've seen him on Zoom, yeah, uh, our Zoom meetings, right? Nice to see you. You too, bud. I just watched yeah. the trailer for Alone. It looks fucking unbelievable. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm pumped, dude. When is that coming out? Because I love those kind of movies. October 16th. It'll be digital release. So I don't know. I don't even know if theaters are even open right now. Dude, you know what, though? It's going to be bigger than it would be as if theaters, if theaters were open. That's true. I don't even it's going to be way... I'm starving I'm for a good movie like that yeah, right I'm now. Ready. So, yeah, so that's going to be bigger because theaters aren't open. You watch. I hope so. It's going to be fucking massive. John Paul, your new agent. Your new <laughs> agent. It's yeah, all I was, about pandemic or a pandemic. My character's stuck in an apartment for. Well, that's what I was thinking, dude. I was like, he's already ready for this. Like, you yeah. already went through it when you did the movie, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Pretty much. We filmed <laughs> it last year in the summer, way before. Uh, COVID was even a thing, or at least no. Dude, everybody's going to watch that because everybody was re-watching, like, uh, what was the movie, Outbreak and all that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, let me intro you. Today, our guest, uh, we're super excited to have Tyler Posey, American actor, musician, model, director, producer, <laughs> fucking gymnast. Is there anything you don't do, Tyler? Um, I haven't <laughs> figured it out yet. I'm not, I'm not that good of a surfer. It's okay. No, it's, it's, I'm not that good of a surfer either. Right, so cool. yeah, let's not surf good together. All right, sounds great. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've, been, I've been doing a lot of uh, wake surfing behind the boat. Have you done that yet? I have, yeah. That one's, uh, I, I'm not very good at that one either. I'm, I'm okay at wakeboarding, but uh, wake surfing is a little bit, it's a little different. It's kind of yeah, What's the difference? There's no rope. Okay, so the rope is wakeboarding. Wakeboarding is the rope, and then wake surfing, they have to change the, 
the thrust of the oh yeah i've done that i've that done them yeah well wake surfing you got you're like locked into the board on boots too oh really? wakeboard wakeboarding wakeboarding sorry wake oh, yeah, surfing wakeboarding, you're yeah. just on the board like a surfboard and it's yeah. a lot slower yeah but you don't have to let go of the rope. Like there'll be times I don't let go of the rope so that I, so I get more time on the wave. Right. You know? I, I, I went a little ahead of myself and I wanted to like look cool. So I like let yeah. go of the rope and then would eat shit, but it was great. Yeah. So Tyler and I are um, working on his band five North's album right album. now. We put out an EP of a collection of amazing songs. Mm. And now we're in the middle of an album, which uh, about three songs in, probably due to a 12-song album. Mm -hmm. We're going to write another one today. Mm -hmm. And uh, very excited about this record. When is it going to come out? Do you guys have any idea? It'll probably come out January, is my guess. Something this like gonna that. It's going to be your year, Tyler, with a movie, a huge movie in October, and then a record in January. Yeah, absolutely. And How, how are you going to handle all this massive success? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. Teen Wolf. I did a show called Teen Wolf a long time ago that got me up there for a long time, and it's kind of calmed down, which is really nice. So I think uh, I don't know if it'll be as as big as anything else that I've done, but um, I've kind of I'm no I'm no I'm no real stranger to it. Uh, so hopefully this will be. Uh, I'm now more adult though, growing up, so I think I can handle it a lot better. I didn't used to handle it that well before. It was kind of a, a drain on my mental health. A strain? A strain on my mental health? You look great today. You've got these amazing socks on. Oh, good little nice man. shirt. You look great. I mean, you always look great, but today it's special. I really appreciate it. And I've, I've been working out a lot, so these sleeves are really tight now, and that's a new thing. I lost a lot of weight during the quarantine. And kind of, I'm bringing the mass back. Hey, <laughs> can we go back to that for a second? Because I think what you said was interesting because this show is about mental health and you said yeah, it was a strain on your strain on your mental health. And, you know, I've worked with a ton of um, successful people over the years and okay. it's like fame is like a whole extra like it's hard to be a human being in the world right now as it is. But when you add fame into that mix and like everything that comes with that mm. and like getting caught up in that, you know, it can really mess with your head. Is yeah. that what happened to you? Was it the fame that was messing with your head or the success or not feeling, was it like not feeling good enough or worthy of it or just some yeah, other shit? Kind of, kind of all of the above. I uh, started acting at six years old. So I knew what the outcome, if I were to become successful in my career, I knew what that was going to be at a really young age. So I was kind of prepared for it, you know, but there's no way to really prepare. At first when I started getting recognized, it was really, really cool. But the fame hit me in a different way. I, I rejected it. I didn't want it. And I, I, I kind of secluded myself and and branched myself away from from the acting world and just tried to really just be a normal you know kid and uh, my mom so <clears throat> more back history on my mental health my mom passed away about six years ago and that going through all of that while being in the limelight and not 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 really knowing how to deal with it or how to grieve was a big contributor into kind of my depression and yeah, I just, I fought, I felt like I wasn't really understood by a lot of people on my team because I've, I'm not the normal actor. I've got, I'm covered in tattoos. I kind of like to stay away from the Hollywood world and I've got different ambitions than a lot of other actors do, I think. And so I just didn't feel understood. And so I felt this like strong need to be stubborn when it came to social media or just kind of growing my, my, my brand, myself, my business. And uh, people were wanting me to be more active on social media. People were wanting me to do other things. And I kind of just shut out the world and didn't do anything and, and stayed inside for a long time. Um, and so that 
you know, over a few years, five, seven years, uh, it manifested into like a really dark sort of hatred, love hate thing for the business that I was in. Um, I'm out of that now, which is just the greatest thing. I'm very open to. How did you pull yourself out of it? Cause that's what, I mean, that's what's really important because we all get, not everyone, but most of us get in that dark place, that hole sometimes, Ooh. whatever yeah. it is. And the key is like, how do you get yourself out of it? Was it like, did you reach out for help from people or was it a combination of things? Uh, yeah, it took me a while to really reach out for help because I, um, when, when all this fame started hitting me, I didn't want to talk to anybody. There was so, it was, I was overwhelmed with attention and, and just, uh, just attention from a lot of people. And so I, I mostly kind of tried to handle things on my own, especially when my mom died. I really came, became reclusive. And so learning to reach out and branch out to people was like a big learning experience for me. But that's what kind of catapulted me into becoming mentally healthy or, you know, at least on the path. And I made a switch with my, my reps, the people who represented me for a long time, because I felt like we were just butting heads constantly. And it's kind of like a relationship. I was with them for most of my life. I started, I got them with them when I was 15 years old. I feel like they kind of had a different mindset of what I was going to grow into as an actor. And I just kept getting tattooed and going on tour and had different interests, you know? And so I think they got scared. And so as soon as I kind of branched away from them, I started reaching out to other friends, found people on my team that really I feel like understand me and want me to have these ambitions and, and like-minded goals um, that's when I really started to feel good again you know and like uh, really wanting to, to get on top of everything including my business and my house and my my life outside of my career and I just started making myself happy again and proud you know I uh, happy is I guess kind of a, a subjective word but I really started making myself proud and I wasn't doing that for a long time I just um, the, the depression of not wanting to be in the place that I was in uh, was just holding me back from a lot of things. And so, yeah, reaching out to friends, going to therapy. I have this great therapist that I've seen for years. He started out as my couples therapist when I was engaged at 21 years old. So that's, that's how you know my life was kind of spiraling out of, uh, out of control. You know, I was engaged at 21, which isn't odd or, or out of the normal, but you know, I, for us- You're from the Midwest. If I'm from the Midwest, yeah. I'm from a small town, Santa Clarita, but people kind of play it that way there. But, you know, it just wasn't right for the both of us. And, yeah, I met this therapist and stayed with him for years. I haven't seen him in about a year or so, but I keep up with him all the time. I just talked to him the other day, and uh, that really helped, you know, reaching out to friends, going to a therapist, working on myself, and kind of changing things where I felt like I was being held back on my, my career side, you know. Do you automatically get free passes to Magic Mountain if you just show Santa Clarita on your driver's license? Do you automatically get in? I haven't tried that yet because the overwhelming, there's a lot of people there who I feel like would be in my fan demographic. And so I, I kind of like to stay on the outskirts of those places. But you know what? Maybe we should try it out. We got to book a Five North gig there. I'm so down. I'd be so do rad. you like? Uh, I like anything to do six, with six like, yeah, anything. Have you been Roller there? coasters and all of it, yeah. That place it's great for Halloween. Nuts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fright Fest. Yeah, what are we going to do this Halloween, dude? It's you know, coming up. It's coming up, but there's no, like... You can't do a party here. I, I could do a party here. I guess I could just do, like... Everyone, everyone will be masked. masked. Yeah, yeah. That's perfect. People can just rob me. It'll be fucking great. 
I've robbed you a bunch of times. I've robbed your love. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Um, I, just hearing your story, I think about like my, when I was really dreaming about being in a band and being like a rock star and all of it, like I really thought that that was my trajectory. I was going to be like as big as the Red Hot Chili Peppers or the Who or mm -hmm. the Police, like all the bands I loved growing up. I thought that was going to be my journey. And then the older I got, you know, when I would get, you know, Goldfinger, I, was kind of taken off when I got recognized. Like I was like 50-50. I was like 50 to 50% of the time I was like excited and stoked to see people if I was like at a Hot Topic looking for my little fucking, you know, whatever lock and chain, uh -huh. you know, collar that I used to, whatever I used to wear back in the day, yeah. you know? And, I, and I'd be harassed. Jewelry. Exactly, harassed, I'd be stoked. And then the other half of the time I was like super annoyed. I was mm. like, leave me the fuck alone. And so I think that the universe had other plans for me as far as that goes, you know? And sure. I feel like you have the ability to figure out what worked for you. And as far as me being producer behind the scenes right. was what I was supposed to do mm -hmm. with my life. I was supposed to be a service to artists in a bigger way than I was supposed to be on stage. And, and you know, if I would have known when I was 21, I'd be like, what the fuck, man? I, I would have I been so pissed if I would have known I was gonna be a producer. Mm -hmm. but, if, but in hindsight, it's it's the perfect career for me, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that you found this balance of like acting, music and, you know, working out and. Yeah, no, but what your point is, is totally is right on, man. Like um, there's a lot of gratitude and, and appreciation that you get from seeing fans and like them coming up to you and wanting to meet you and take a picture and all this. But there's also a huge part. It's probably like a bigger percentage of the cool ones that uh, I don't want to say suck, but like the interactions are not cool. Like um, they're really invasive, total intrusion of privacy. I've had to like, I'll be at dinner sometimes. This was early, early on when I was still trying to figure out how I wanted to be towards people. <laughs> and most of it wasn't good. There'd be kids like taking pictures of me and I would stand up, sit at their table and be like, show me those pictures. <laughs> and they'd be so scared. And I'm like, delete those pictures, dude. I'm at dinner. I'm trying to just enjoy my life. Can't you just like at least ask me or whatever? So there's a lot of that bullshit that like I hated for a long time, and I now I know how to deal with it. I just call them out on it. I'm like super honest, and like they feel really silly and stupid sometimes when I do it. But it's all out of not I don't want to say love, but I, I do it in a way where I accept them for being intrusive, and you know it's their life. They don't know. They 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 think that they're I'm the, they're the first person that's come up to me at least that that day or that second, which isn't usually the case. So, you know, when I first met you, though, it was like a war, you know, warp tour. Oh, yeah. I mean, I felt like a stud because you were surrounded backstage by all these like all these teenage cute teenage girls, you know, just like talking to them all and mm -hmm. just, like, chilling out. And, and I was walking by and you're like, John Feldman. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> I'm like, that's fucking right. That's, dude. Fucking right. that's my name. <laughs> I was I was so starstruck, dude. But yeah, Warped Tour is an impossible scene to walk around. I cannot not be behind the stage at Warped Tour. That, de that demographic just lines up perfectly with mine. People, people have this different relationship to you, you know? Um, I, I, I'm not famous by any stretch of the imagination, but I teach this breathwork thing, and I'll have a, like anywhere from two to 300 people in a class. Mm. And I do this thing where people, I have them pulling moments in their heart, people are bawling in my classes, and they have these huge emotional releases. And then I'm, and I'm getting emotional and I'm fucking crying sometimes. And I have people pulling love and gratitude in their hearts and they get this connection with me that I don't have with them. Mm -hmm. Right. They're like connected to me in a way that they feel like I did something to them and they'll, and, and they send me emails and gifts and it's really, it gets a little weird. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I'm appreciative, but it gets a little weird. Like I don't have that connection with them. You know, I'm teaching a class to 250 people, but because I, I helped them do this thing that opened their heart, that cracked them open and let go of some sort of grief or something, you know, they've been holding on to forever. They have this different connection with me and it's, it becomes a weird relationship that I have yeah, to yeah. really keep good boundaries on, like clear boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah. And those boundaries become blurred. Definitely. Even I'm just trying to blur them too, because I do, I, I do appreciate that aspect where fans do feel connected to us, you know, and. So that's, that's I, I use a lot of my social media to respond to as many people as I can and just make it feel natural and, and I goof off with them. Just want them to feel like, um, like I appreciate them as much as they appreciate me. It's impossible to get to every single one of them. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know these kids, but I'll have a lot of fans reach out to me. Like, uh, I'll see their comments and be like, hey, I really need some help. I'm not doing too well mentally. And I'll direct message them and become really close with these kids. There's like a, a handful of them that like, I've, I've seen through, like, I've told them to get therapy and they've, they, they're new people. And uh, in that aspect, I really, really, really love, or at least I haven't told them to get therapy. I've just like pointed them in the right direction and told them my experiences. And, um, but uh, so there is an aspect where I do kind of appreciate that. And I do try to connect with them, but you're right. It's almost impossible to have the same sort of connection that they feel with me that I feel with them. Sorry, yeah. my dogs really want to be on the podcast today. Zeus just cruised in, and he was like, "What?" The, he just needs like to wind, like, like a Tasmanian devil. He just cruised in already. Yeah, um, I find at least you know when I'm really, you know, not to change the subject, but I mean my dogs are here. But when I'm really not in a good space, like going to bed or waking up, when Mochi's just on, she'll lay on my chest with her nose against my nose, and just stare <laughs> at me at night, and it's like there's at that point I'm just like. What else matters? Like, mm -hmm. what else really matters? You know, my dogs, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, my dogs are like a depression killer mm -hmm. to a certain extent, you know, when I'm feeling like just whatever, self-pity mm -hmm. or any of that shit, my dogs just like, they're like, let's go on a walk. Let's get out and get exercise. Let's mm -hmm. get going. Like, you know, life is too short. Let's hang out. Yeah, it's all of it. Because they, because you do that for them. And that's, and for them, their world is this and you. And that's like, I learned from my dogs so much and your dogs because that's what our world should be. It should be just this. But that's, you know, they teach me a lot and they, you know, they are so innocent and pure. And that's what we've just kind of forgotten over the years as these other distractions like success and money and fame and whatever. We are as pure and as innocent as dogs and we have to massage that pureness in us, you know? Tyler, I think you hit on something really cool where you were talking about helping people on your social media because... You know, for me, like happiness is a, a, a feeling. It's going to come and it's going to go. I'm not going to be happy all the time. But I always try and find things that are fulfilling. And like when I help other people, I don't usually want to do it, but I do it. Sure. And then I feel really good about myself afterwards, right? And it's kind of like, like working out is like that too. Like I don't usually want to do it. I was a trainer for 20 years, but yeah. I don't usually want to do it. But I feel good afterwards, right? So helping other people has been the best tool that I've ever found because I feel like no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's up or down or whatever, you know, if I'm helping people, if I'm making people's lives better, then my life has purpose. My life has purpose and my life has fulfillment. And if I, so I think that that's pretty cool that you're like reaching back out to these people on social media and helping them. You, I think you have a big influence too. You could help a lot of people. Yeah, dude, I try to, you know, I've been through a shitload and I can, I can kind of relate to a lot, but you know, at the same time, I don't have all the tools to like analyze people. Yeah, but you don't need to do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, listen, you're, 
you're, uh, I don't know if you're talking about it or not, like, but you you decided to stop drinking, right? You quit drinking. Absolutely. And smoking so, pot, like, pothead forever and I'm done. Yeah. So just that right there, telling people how much better you feel, like not drinking, not smoking pot. Like, you know, a lot of people are stuck in right now and they don't know what to do with themselves and they're going fucking crazy and they're just getting stoned and drinking. Yeah. And they don't know that there is a solution out there, that there's another, like, there's another way to live that you can feel really good about yourself and you can so change good. that anytime you want. Yeah, yeah. being of service, like you said, to other people is a bigger high and a more real present high than I've ever gotten anywhere. I'm like vibrating at the end of it. Uh, like you said, sometimes I don't want to, like I'll, I'll, I'll make connections with these kids and then I'll read my DMs or I'll go through my DMs and see that they messaged me and be like, oh shit, I don't really have the time to, to deal with this right now, but then I'll open it up respond to them and i feel you know it, it it makes me feel just as good as it does for them and that's yeah that's it's completely real and true and it's you can't see it but it's there you know pot you can see drink you can see and so it's easy to rely on that but this stuff is like way more real and you just the the feeling you get is just longer lasting and i don't know real there's no what easy. happened like what happened to you that you decided I'm not going to smoke weed anymore. What, like, what was going on? Dude, yeah. So, like, I started smoking pot. This is actually a cool story. I started smoking pot in an early age because I was an actor, and I didn't want to be associated with acting because I grew up in Santa Clarita, which is a small, small town. Everyone skateboarded there, and I wanted to be a skater, and I got kind of made fun, for, made fun of acting at a young age. I was so young when I started. So when I got to school, I was homeschooled a lot, too, and I, all I wanted to do was be a normal kid. When I got to normal school, people were making fun of me for acting. So I wanted to disassociate myself as far as I could from acting. And I started smoking pot, partying early with my friends. And that really manifested itself into an addict lifestyle. My whole, my whole career, and it was difficult to kind of see because I was, I was a working actor. But my home life just became unmanageable. I, I you know, had a house. But uh, it was just, it was awful. Like it, there was no, there was no order in it at all. And there was no order inside of my head. And when I had the job, I was, my work ethic was great, but I didn't, I didn't try to get another job. I just, I just failed. I just, all I did was rely on weed and any substance that I touched just became weed, whether it was booze or drugs or whatever. I just used it just like weed and, you know, there's no quality of life there. I, I stopped making myself proud. I hated myself. Um, I had thoughts of suicide, never wanted to do it, but I would sit at the bottom of my swimming pool as long as I could hold my breath. And, you know, I, I think it's impossible to drown yourself, but, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to push the limits, you know, and that's, that's not a good way to live. And I've got so much in me light and, 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 and inspiration that I want to just like flood out of me. And so it was just being held back and I was just losing myself really quickly. And, you know, being around Feldy, who's, who's, who you're just such a fucking, you're just the big, the biggest light I've ever seen. And I look up to you so much, dude. And I was like, he's, he's got his shit together. I want that. I really want that life. And I felt not guilty or ashamed. I mean, a little bit of that coming around here, but I was, mo I was mostly feeling guilt in myself for just n not making myself proud, making my mom proud, making my fans proud, um, my business, my career, my dogs. Everything around me was just falling apart, and I wanted to one fix that, but then two realize that I needed help. Like I, I it was bigger than me.
your dogs were leaving you messages like you wake up with these little sticky notes. Yeah. Stop smoking weed, bro. Stop it. <laughs> when are you going to take me on a walk? When are you going to go to sleep? It was so sad, man. They'd be, I would see them at like five in the morning just staring at me. I'm like, when are you going to go to sleep? And was, you know, that, that was the most heartbreaking thing out of everything. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because I well, think about how many artists that I work with that smoke weed or mm -hmm. the drink or that, you know, have, it's part of their lifestyle. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of musicians like just do drugs. It just goes hand in hand, whether it's pills or whatever. Yeah. And I think about, you know, for me, when I hit my bottom, you know, weed was the last thing. I mean, I, I would smoke weed and I would get so fucking paranoid. Like, mm. so weed for some people gets them mellow, other people gets them hyped up. I work with this one artist that's just like, he smokes weed and he's like, it's like he's on cocaine, he's so hyped, you know? Yeah. And for me, I just got paranoid. And I, it's like, it's not like a moral issue, you know, like drinking and doing drugs is not anything to do with morality. It has to do with me and my own body. Can't, I can't handle it any longer. Like, I just couldn't take. I couldn't take the physical pain of the hangovers mm -hmm. and the remorse and the bitterness mm -hmm. of what I had done the night prior or two nights ago. And then this, the smoke and weed just, I was like, I'd sweat, like I get tacos under one arm and I weird shit happened yeah. when I smoked pot. And so for me, it was, I never, I mean, I never judge anybody. I mean, about doing drugs, that's not my business. It's your business. Yeah. And I, you know, I've always just loved you as a human and I'm grateful that you're, I can already tell how much you've opened up, you know, just as a writer and as a friend, you know, you've changed and I appreciate that, you know, but you've got your journey that I respect. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, it's true. And like, like you said, a lot of artists associate getting fucked up and doing drugs and drinking um, with music and punk and whatever. And that's what I did. My first experience of Warped Tour, I was, uh, walk I was 14 years old, my best friend, walking through the parking lot, my parents just dropped us off. And this random dude goes, hey, you want a beer? And I was like, absolutely. I just was like, there's no, this is the coolest experience of my life. I'm about to go see punk rock. Rise Against Play, they were the first band up. Uh, and he tosses me a beer, I catch it. And he's like, okay, dude, but you gotta chug it. I was like, even cooler, man. So I cracked it open. He's like, grab your nuts, grab your nuts. <laughs> so I'm chugging this beer at 14 in the Warped Tour parking lot, grabbing my nuts. And from that point on, I associated punk rock, which became a huge, one of the biggest parts of my life with using and getting drunk and messed up. And now I realize, you know, after hanging out with you so often and really getting close with you, I, I realized that that is just, I don't know, I don't want to say a sign of weakness, but it is not what makes you punk, man. Real punk is punk on the inside. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think in the beginning it's fun and then it's fun with problems and then it's just problems. Right. And like, that's how it was with me. It was really fun in the beginning when I was drinking and partying and doing all kinds of drugs and jumping up on the top of the car at the, at the, you know, keg party outside and everyone's screaming and, and it was a blast and I hook up with a hot chick. And then and if it was stayed like that, I would have kept drinking and using. Right. Right. But it was like, then it was, I'd get arrested, you know, and then it was just problems and, and it just stopped being fun at some point for me. And, I think the, the problem with pot, with weed, is it's really insidious. Like, people are like, oh, you don't get in car accidents and you don't get arrested. And it's like, yeah, you also don't fucking do anything with your life. Yeah. You just sit home and fucking do nothing and you don't feel good about yourself. A lot of what you've been talking about is um, self-esteem, you know, feeling good about yourself. Right? And, I, and I learned early on when I first got sober that it, I had really low self-esteem when I was brand new 20 years ago. And people told me, if you got low self-esteem, then you need to do esteemable acts. And I didn't even know what an esteemable act was. Like, I didn't, I didn't even know what they meant. But I did this thing, Big Brothers of America. I, I became a big brother. I became a mentor. 
and that was pretty amazing. And I would take this kid in the, who lived like in the, you know, Crenshaw, like in the gnarliest area of LA, I would pick him up and I would take him to the Getty Museum or to do paintball or the arcade or all this kind of cool shit. And when I dropped that kid off, I felt like I was walking on air. Like I, w I was like, the, it was the greatest feeling I ever felt when, when I first started doing Big Brothers of America. And then I started helping other guys get sober. And, and that really gave me a lot of self-esteem and self-worth and purpose in my life. And I mean, I think that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, I've just learned that like people helped me and then I got to turn around and give it back. And I was told that being of service, that helping other people is not convenient. If it's, con if it's convenient, then you're not being of service, right? Mm -hmm. And Feldy uh, is probably more of service, helps more people than anyone I know, which is crazy because he's got one of the busiest fucking lives I've ever seen, you know, with the, all the bands and all the people he works with and the wife and kids and you're an amazing dad, Feldy, and you still have made time to help other people. Like... I don't know how you do it. I really don't know. Well, a, lot, a lot of times it is, thank you for that. And a lot of times it is kind of selfish. I mean, selfishly, I took John Paul on tour with Goldfinger, uh, you know, back in the day. I mean, because I wanted, a, I wanted a sober guy to hang out with, you know, there mm. was one or two of us, I think in the band were sober, but you know, there's levels of kind of how motivated you are to, you know, kind of, you know, continue your sobriety and how, uh, you know, I also Paul, beat everyone up on tour for you. So there was that. Too. John Paul got in so many. I mean, he, he was great. I mean, he was, you know, we would hang out and we would, you know, do a lot of sober things. I mean, we were talking about surfing earlier, you know, when we went to New Zealand, we went to this Lion's Head Rock, you know, right outside of Auckland. And, and it was just incredible. Like it was his first time surfing. It's like we're in New Zealand. Got off the plane, rented surfboards. And I'm like, you're never going to stand up. And he stood up on his like, you know, first or second wave, he crushed it, you know? Oh, and it was like, yeah. we're able to do these things while everyone else is like sleeping or smoking weed or whatever. And, and we, uh, you know, but he, um, as, mu as much as, you know, I, I know that you've done his breath work with me, you know, we've oh, done that was your breath work. That was yeah, that's, that's my shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I cried, man. Yeah. yeah, you know, and people know him as this, you know, kind of breathwork, you know, meditation, his teacher, but, but, but on tour with Goldfinger, he's just fucking fighting every other night, like trying to keep people, you know, you know how it is at a punk show, you know, and I did, I did want to talk a little bit about, um, about Warp Tour and how it kind of changed both of our lives. You know, I went to the first Warp Tour in 94 before Goldfinger really, we had like this little cassette, this EP cassette out. I remember giving it to Fat Mike at the Dragonfly and I'm like, dude, please sign us, you know, to, and he and he just didn't even listen, you know, he was whatever, you know, he's a busy guy and going to Warp Tour. And uh, I remember, cause I grew up with Steve Caballero up in Northern California. And uh, so I was sitting on top of the half pipe watching Steve skate in 1994 with like Bad Religion. I think, you know, I saw Sublime and No Doubt and all these bands and Goldfinger had been together for maybe like nine months, you know, at the time, still like a really new band. And I was like, just floored by how big it was year one. Bad Religion was my all time favorite band at the time and maybe still is. I mean, and it's like watching them and I just got in the pit, the whole thing and how it just like, just defined who we are as people, that one tour, and why, you know, how, why doesn't it exist any longer, you know? And like Kevin Lyman taking a break and all that, and like your experience was probably the same as mine. Yeah. Seeing all your favorite bands play. Yeah, I got my first pit, saw Rise Against. It was an accident. I was uh, on the outskirts. So I was a little, I, was, I love punk, but it was my first experience in a show like this. And this pit started forming around me. 
I was like, oh shit, and I tried to back out, but I got pushed back in. I was like, you know what, fuck it. I just started like throwing my hands, and out of nowhere, there's this shirtless dude who's all elbows, just entire elbows. I was like, oh God, and he elbows me right in the jaw. I'm spitting out like blood and tooth that's still chipped to this day. Best day of my life. Best day of my life. Best fucking day of my life, dude. I know, man, there's so many shows. Like, broke my fucking pinky, like, just sitting on the barricade, the bouncer, like, fucking oh, shoved his thing. I mean, I've got, I mean, these teeth are all fake because of how many times I've chipped my teeth, you oh, know, oh. in the pit or on the thing. It's just, like, it's part of the nature of what we do in bands, mm -hmm. which is why I know you're motivated because it's a whole different experience. I'm, I'm not an actor, but I know that what you do is very methodical and you study and you study your whole life mm -hmm. acting and you have to, you know, memorize a bunch of words and all that stuff where being on stage is like you're just there in the moment. Mm -hmm. At least my experience is I've Nothing prepared. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't write on the set list what to say. I'm just like mm -hmm. in the moment. I see who's there, and like some kid will come on stage that looks like the dude from Creed, and mm -hmm. I'll be. I'll be like, dude, Creed. Whatever. <laughs> like, I just kind of do like whatever you do in the moment because that's just what it's like, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, you have to be present, man. I mean, I understand wanting to have like some stuff uh, laid out for you, so it's not such like uh, so you're not just like wandering in your head because you get you can get nervous too, but. To take away those nerves, dude. You're just in the moment, and every night is a new night. And I love that. I, I miss that so much, dude. It's the greatest. Calling on little kids, making them feel like they're the only one in the crowd. Like, yeah, buddy, I saw you singing the whole song. So yeah. cool. Bringing them up to play. Like, yeah. Here's my guitar. Like, whatever, dude. You know. I, mean, I guess. I guess there is. You're right. You have to. You know what the songs are going to be. I mean, once in a while, you can. I mean, we don't play to a click, so I can switch the set list. Mm -hmm. or I can add new songs as I want, but mm -hmm. it's not really like, you know. Um, you still know you're going to play your certain songs, of course. You know, but man, there's nothing like it. And I just feel like a lot of artists that I've been working with lately are just, um, there's a level of sadness that exists from not being able to tour and sure. how pe where people put their energy. And like we're talking about earlier, people put their energy back into smoking weed or drinking or just partying in general. And like, because what else are you going to do if you can't work? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. You gotta have that release sooner or later. People, this is why protests are happening. I mean, protests are happening because people are upset about what's going on in the world, but there's also this pent-up energy that is usually expressed at a rock show or some, some arena like that, you know, some sort of thing. And people don't have a way to release it. It all gets built up in your system and you have to release it. I it's saw Sublime play a, um, that parking lot show oh, yeah. last couple of weeks ago, you know, Dan and Ventura. It was cool, I guess. I mean, it's like the problem. I was talking with Rome, and he was like, the problem is when you're doing sing-along parts, you know? He's like, he was singing date rape, and he was waiting for the callback from the audience, and like everyone's in their cars listening on their stereos, yeah. so he couldn't hear anything. So, and then the, the delay was so intense, because it's such a big spread out place. So right. it's not quite the same as having a circle pit. I can't even imagine. You can't do a car circle pit around the stage, yeah, you know, like, donuts. like having people just like driving around. Uh -huh. Well, I mean, part of a show is the connection with other people that you don't even know. It is that unity that you feel, that connectedness to other people when you're all singing this song together. Like, okay. I don't even know this guy beside me, but I'm connected to him because we both love this band mm -hmm. and we're both so into this moment and this song and we're sharing a beer or whatever. It's that connectedness that you feel, right? And, so, and that's what we're missing right now is that connectedness to other people. We're fucking wearing masks. We're all staying six feet apart. You're, we're all disconnected right now. And the human body needs connections. There was like, it's this terrible story, but there was a, a, 
a, an orphanage, and I think it was in Russia or Romania it was, that these babies never got picked up and held. And they died. They all died because you, as a human, you need to be held. You need affection. You need, especially as a baby. And so if we don't have that connection, if we don't feel that, we die. You know, that, I mean, it just goes to show you. So like I hug the shit out of my kids. I've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. And they say, I forget the numbers, but it's like, you know, four hugs a day for survival and seven hugs a day for something else. And like 20 hugs a day to thrive. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I can hug 20 times a day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love my kids, but I try to hug them as much as I can. You know, I really try to take that time and spend that kind of time with them and at least hug them and tell them I love them. I'm wondering, Tyler, are you, if you had to choose and thankfully you don't, Right. If you had to choose between acting and, and, and being a musician, what would you choose? Dude, it's hard. So acting, I've like also now realized I have a love and hate thing. If I only had to be an actor my entire life, I think I would not do it because I found a love in filmmaking as a whole. I just finished a script yesterday with my buddy. We wrote it and it's one of the greatest. John? I don't think you've met Oh, him. not Charlie. No, not Charlie. No, different, different, different okay. script. Charlie wrote that script, which is awesome. But this one I made from the ground up. It's, I'm so proud of it. Um, so filmmaking as a whole is my, is one of my fortes, but dude, if I only had to pick between acting and music, it would easily be music because what's cool is that what we did with our music video, it's like a 10 minute long video because there's like a story throughout the whole entire thing that we filmed, we're acting in it, you know, so I could always implement those into music, but music is by far way more rewarding, you know, and, and I get to grow more from getting my shit off my chest. And music, by far, I think, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's the first thing that I found on my own. My dad helped me get into the business, acting business, when I was like six. I still showed interest in it, but he helped me get into it. You know, it was, he's an actor and a writer, so it was kind of his influence. Music is the first thing where I found on my own. I connect more with it. Um, I relate more to the people in it, I think. And so I think it would have to be music. And then I would be able to give it my all, you know, and see where that could take me. Um, because I have, I'm not doing 50-50 right now. It's like trying to do 100 and 100. And sometimes it's kind of hard. I had, to, I, I was gonna, supposed to play guitar on tour with you in Australia, which probably worked out better because I'm not as good as a guitarist as the guy who played with you. Um, but I had, I was gonna go on tour. I had, I called him and I was like, dude, please, please, please don't kill me. But I, I just booked this TV show. It's gonna be a great opportunity. TV show ended up not happening, which is awesome because it, I didn't, I wasn't stoked about it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's moments where I do have to kind of decide what's going to what's going to elevate my career more um so if i didn't have acting i would be able to just give music my all tour with you every single time and uh yeah i've toured with feldy all over the world it's it's not all it's cracked up to be let me tell you (laughs) here you you dodged a bullet there too okay good God, we were in Adelaide and just went this pier we found because we were, we were training every day. Glenn was with us and we mm-hmm. trained every day. And just, we just, oh, it was so good. It would have been so fun. I, been so fun. I wasn't sober then either. So, you know, I probably would have been like looking for pot all over the place and like not training with you because I was smoking yeah. weed and getting drunk. So, yeah, Chris is great. Chris Cheney um, played with us from the living end. And I mean, he's like the, the, the best Australian guitar player of all time. So it worked out exactly the way it was supposed to. Absolutely. Yeah, for the fans, they probably enjoyed it way more. Yeah. I would have been fucking up on, on every single song <laughs> of the solos. <laughs> but there would have been hard. Yeah. You know. 
So besides creating right now, like you're creating music, so that's got to be really fulfilling. What, what, what tools are you using that would help somebody else out there? Are you meditating? You're exercising? Feldy yeah. said you tried the breath work, my breath work. Maybe you did it in the studio or something. Yeah, in his living room. We laid on the same couch with each other, toes to toes. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> and it was, great. It, was, it, was, it was incredible. First of all, I thought I was going to faint. Uh, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. And every time I reached my hand up, I, could, I was like lobster claw. Like I couldn't extend my hand all the way. But, dude, it was, uh, yeah, your, your exercises, I've never experienced anything like that. The emotional roller coaster I went on, all good. Yeah. Um, I was crying. I was la- we were laughing out loud. Uh, it was life-changing. And I was having a weird day before that. I don't know if you could tell, but I was having kind of a weird day. Um, you know, I was still pretty early on in my sobriety. And, and I wasn't having the best day. Uh, but that, dude, just, I screamed, I love my life afterward, truthfully and genuinely. Um, so, yeah, meditating is wonderful. That's, that's, a, that's a really, really, really great tool to kind of calm your mind and put you in the present moment and stay there. Um, working out has been really great. Like I said, I lost a lot of weight during quarantine and I uh, started working out a lot more, gaining more mass. Uh, being of service to other people, you know, is like an incredible thing. I just got off the phone with my buddies today. He cried to me and I've, you know, I'm just so happy that I could be there and that uplifts me. Um, making myself proud, like little things, just start with little things like cleaning my house, doing all of my laundry, making my bed, taking my dogs on a walk. All of those things contribute to my happiness, you know? Yeah, there's this amazing speech from, a, like, I think it's a Navy commander where he says, like, literally, the most important thing to do is to get up and to make your bed. He goes, that one little thing, and then he goes, and then you do something else on top of that, a small little thing, and then another small little thing. And you literally just stack these small little things throughout the day, and then at the end of the day, you feel pretty good about yourself because you, you had all these accomplishments, but it really starts with that one little act of making your bed. Mm-hmm. which is it's like you wouldn't think anything of it but like if you can just get out of bed and make your bed maybe that'll change the course of your day um, mm-hmm. or you hire someone to make your bed for you like i do that yeah. that, could, that helps too you know that's another yeah. accomplishment that you have, you know? <laughs> but it's true man like uh we're so consumed with doing huge things having huge goals and huge dreams which you should always have but if you don't attain them, you start to lose faith, faith in yourself. But yeah. really what we're here for is just to make ourselves proud and to be of service to the next person. And you can't do that if your bed's not made. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, you can't write a song if you don't, like, you don't know a simple chord, right? You, gotta, you have to learn the little pieces to write a song. You can't cool. just okay. jump right in. So it's like one little step at a time, just learning what a C chord is or a G chord or whatever. Neither of those hands that you put up are C or G, but I get, been, the, I, get your, I get your point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the G chord. <laughs> Listen, don't ever forget that I could choke you out in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> I know, dude. You're so slippery because you're so hairless, dude. I could never grab you. <laughs> I will. That's true. I will drive 12 and a half hours to, to freaking Calabasas. Just slip around. Just, just to choke bumping. you out. And then I'll beat you in ping pong after that. Yeah, you know, I, he, he's supposedly, the, the, the word is he's a pretty good ping pong player, but we'll, we'll have to see. You've never, you've never seen I've never, I've never played him. Because really? he lives in Bend, Oregon, so. Oh, wow. He has, like, this ping pong robot that, like, just no. shoots balls out. And sh- I don't know. He's the one that tracks the it's ball. It's like a tennis machine, head. yeah. And I have a net that, on the other end of the thing, and you just whack him into the net, like, over and over and over. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Competition. I got competition, but uh, we have no way to prove it. It's a fighting words. 
I know I, I should come there. I'm bored out of my mind. I'm just like, I've, I've been, I've, I've, I've never been home this long. I've been home since January. I have never been home this long in my life. And I'm used to traveling every month too. Like I would fly and do a conference and teach my breath work at the conferences. And I was supposed to speak at Steve Harvey's conference this year. And I had like, I do trainings where I teach people how to do breath work. I had six of those. I had, I had a fucking retreat in Iceland that got canceled. I mean, it's been yeah, brutal. All of us are. Yeah. I think, I think they're booking Goldfinger in March though, in, in, uh, in France. Same. They're booking like Europe shows. So, so I, I'm, I might come out back out on tour with you. Shave my back. Yeah. Well, I don't know if oh, I do that. <laughs> That's another thing that helps with mental health is just getting out, you know, and with quarantine, I guess it's kind of hard, but you can go to places that are pretty isolated. Like I just went to this, um, Airbnb in Malibu that was in an airstream that was overlooking the Pacific Ocean and waking up to that and falling asleep to the crashing waves, dude, it was a great reset. Uh, like again, I was feeling really kind of anxious before and, uh, and then it inspired me. I think I'm going to be coming up your way. I'm going to take a drive up to Washington maybe and, and take a stop in Oregon and um, just hit like lakes and nature along the way. Come through that. Bend and hang out. We'll go uh, paddle boarding on the river. We'll do some breath work. It'll be rad. Wow. Come, spend, come spend a night here for sure. You can stay at my place or I have a deal at the best hotel in town. So whatever you want to do, we'll connect after this. I would love that. Let me hit you with a questionnaire at the end. So if you, what's the song that you, what's either your favorite song or the song you wish you wrote the most? Oh, shit. There's a new, do you ever hear Four Years Strong? Yeah, of course. There's a new song that they came out with called, I think it's called Brain Pain. It's on their album called Brain Pain, I think. It was one of the first songs I've heard in a long time where I was like, damn, oh, damn I, just, I wish I wrote that song. I'll show you afterwards. So, so, so cool. Who is it by? Four years strong. Okay. Yeah, they've been mm -hmm. around for I think a little over ten years or more than that. I mixed their third album. Really? Mm -hmm. That's four years strong. Mm -hmm. If you could have any superpower, superpower, what would it be? I would like to fly. As corny as that sounds, dude. Flying would be cool. Be. Okay. Last question: How often do you delete your browser history? <laughs> Probably once every year. Wow. Yeah, who's it, looking at your Who's looking at your Oh, history? you're single, yeah. If, if I'm going to be doing something with, like, my computer, with, like, work, if I'm showing people some, something or if, like, for some reason I have a girl that I'm dating who's around, I like to, like, kind of, you know, oh, yeah, maybe it's time to delete this, you know. <laughs> awesome. Tyler, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, guys. That was, uh, I'm now ready. Listen, I'll send you the link to my class. I do a class every Sunday morning if you ever want to do it. Or there's also a replay that you can do as well. So I'll send you that. And so you can just do it. You know, I do it every every week. So you can, it's different every week. So thanks, man. yeah, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. do y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast